0: podcast. I am your host Nisar Ahmad. I am the founder and editor of the blog com, and this is episode 26 of the careermedis podcast and this episode is part of the expert series where I for each interview I bring in career experts who will be sharing their experience and wisdom to help job seekers in their quest to finding their dream job and for today's expert series episode I'm interviewing career transformation coach Laurie Howard. Laurie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me I'm excited to be here with you today.
0: Yeah it's same here same here I I wanted to start off I always like to know a little bit uh, about my guest uh, a little bit about who they are how did they get started so if you can uh, spend a little time telling a little bit about yourself and also your journey uh, I'd love to hear
1: that. Sure. So, my name is Laurie Howard. My company is Unearth Your Worth. I am a career transformation coach and a professional resume writer specializing in career identity. So, most of us know people who have become unhappy or frustrated with their job or even their career track, right? Well, I help those people discover the work that they would really love to do, that they'd be great at, feel really proud of, and still pay for all their stuff. And then I also help people tell their career story through their job search tools, so through your resume, interviewing, LinkedIn profile, and your networking conversations to help them really maximize the opportunities so they can land the job they really want. Now, you asked about my journey a little bit. So throughout my corporate career, which I left in 2006, I always spent a portion of my time Coaching and helping other people with their careers, people who worked for me as well as people who worked for other managers. I would have uh, other employees come and seek me out for secret career support meetings during throughout my career, really. But I was always engaged in helping people find the job that they really wanted. And early in my career, someone else had helped me with my resume and interviewing, and once I had absorbed those lessons, I continued to study and research career development and job search topics, and I was always helping others by sharing what I had learned. I started out my career with, I started by getting a degree in electrical engineering. I ended up working in software development, quality assurance, software process improvement and project management, and my last corporate job was vice president at an investment research firm. But my own story also includes a time when I started to feel really frustrated and unhappy and just really burnt out on my job and my career. I had no idea what I wanted to do next. And kind of at the peak of my frustration and confusion, the company that I was working for was acquired by another company. So I asked them to lay me off, which seemed like a crazy idea to me because I had never, ever not worked. I always had a job that I was working and at least one or two job opportunities in the queue, but I didn't want to do any of those jobs anymore. So in 2006, I left my corporate career and I took some time to really work to figure out what it is I really wanted to do, to find out what work would I love to do that I'd also be good at and that would give me some kind of sense of fulfillment and meaning that I just wasn't getting anymore and that where I could still support myself. So I took some time to dig really deep and figure out what I wanted to do next and the result of that work actually led to me creating a process that I actually use with my own clients today so that they don't have to go through what I went through and they don't have to do it by themselves. In 2007, I started my own business, which became Unearth Your Worth, and since then, I have pursued and earned certifications in professional coaching, executive coaching, resume writing, group coaching, and story coaching, all really to help serve my clients better.
0: Thanks for sharing that story, Laurie, and uh, one thing I heard, uh, you're almost coming up to the 10-year mark, isn't it? uh...
1: I am, I know, (laughs) I can't even believe it.
0: (laughs) Well, congratulations on that. First of all, that's, I mean, that's a great milestone by itself. And what, when I heard your story, uh, I think the common, the third I listened to is you, uh, were at a point where you use some of these lessons and ideas, which we are going to cover in a bit for yourself. Then you thought, okay, you know what? I can help others as well. So that's perfect. So when people come to you, I can sense that they, they can resonate very well because you're, you're sharing your own, Experiences.
1: Yes. A lot of my clients uh, appreciate the fact that I was there, that I felt what they felt, that I was frustrated a while, that I had tried unsuccessfully for some period of time to figure out what I wanted to do. And so, because I was able to figure it out and then turn that into a process for them, they feel more comfortable and they feel like they're working with someone who gets it.
0: Before we begin, before we get into uh, me picking your wisdom, Uh, I wanted to ask you, where are you calling from?
1: I'm calling from Chicago.
0: Okay. Uh, Obviously, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody listening (laughs) to this knows where Chicago is, but since you are a Chicago resident, why don't you tell us something that most people do not know about Chicago?
1: Well, let's see. I don't know if I can pick something most people don't know. I will say my favorite thing about Chicago, when I think of all the cities that I visited, I find that Chicago has this great combination of, of a really a really broad um, broadly diverse group of people, people from all over the world pass through here or spend some time here and live here for a while, and it's really friendly and very welcoming. It was one of the friendliest cities I've ever been in where you can stop pretty much anyone on the street and ask for directions, ask for a restaurant recommendation, ask for, you know, how do I what's the best way to get from here to there? Um, or what site do you recommend I go visit with my family who's visiting from out of town? I, I love how welcoming and friendly people are here.
0: And I I can attest to that because I have been in Chicago for a couple of days early this year. And, I uh, yeah, the people are very, very friendly. So that's that's good to know. So I'm just plugging in here. <laughs> people, <laughs> to people who go and visit Chicago and one of the regrets I have about my Chicago trip um, Chicago is no favorite uh, known for one of its cuisine or main food item called deep dish pizza oh I mean, yeah
1: you gotta have to dish miss, pizza when you're here
0: I missed that so that's my regret <laughs> <laughs> so next people listening to this please go make sure you try that if I'm there next time, I'm definitely trying that Excellent. because everybody asked me that question <laughs> when as soon as I came back, all right, so let's uh, get into the, um, the the questions and I have for you
1: okay
0: and um, the first thing I wanted to start off is more of a broader question. Um, what are some of the cha- what are some of the biggest challenges that your clients or job seekers in general come to you for?
1: I would say clients come to me for one of two things. One is that they just don't know what they want to do next. They typically know, here's what I've been doing, and I want to move away from that. And I don't want to do that anymore, but I have no idea where to go to. Or two, they come because they know what they want to do, but they can't figure out how to get the opportunities they want in this job market. They're just finding it's falling flat, or they can't figure out how to present themselves. Most of my clients are typically over 40 at this point and they're worried about their age and how that's factoring into things. So with the first group, I help them to dif- discover what their dream job is. You know, I, I noticed that you said that is one of your missions, which is one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you today. I love anyone who's in support of people finding work they love. So I really help them figure out what that job is, and then how do they go get that? How do they move forward from here and move into that career without feeling like they have to start over or start from scratch? And the second group, I just help people learn how to tell their career story with confidence and help them learn how to navigate this job market to attract the opportunities they want rather than feeling like they're fighting this uphill battle to hunt them down.
0: And I uh, and I think that is a common challenge most people have, right? Figuring out what to do, and if they know what to do, well, how to do it, right? The yes. what and the how always is on, stays on top. Um, so I want to. You mentioned confidence, yes. and anybody who has been in a situation where they are frustrated or they have been laid off, they have been let go, um, that is difficult, right? Yes. So how let, before I get into the processes. uh, Let's talk a little bit about the confidence factor. Um, Why is it important to get that before you start the job job search process?
1: Well, confidence is kind of king in the job search process. You need to be really sure about who you are, what you do and what you offer and be confident in your ability to talk about those things and articulate them. If you're not Hiring managers and employers and recruiters and even people reading your materials will pick up on that, wow, well, they don't really know what they want, they seem unsure, and and you just diminish your opportunities really quickly by not being confident and not, and not being certain of yourself and knowing that you have something special and unique to offer and knowing how to talk about it.
0: And uh, how, so the, the follow-up question is, how do they get that uh... How do they, is there a a moment of self-reflection?
1: You know, with my clients, I find that as we begin to dig through their career story, what they've done, where they've done it, um, and we tap into, we do a couple of things. One is I help them really get clear on what their strengths are, what they're really great at, and their strengths that they're, and that, and being able to see that, that other people see those strengths as well. Once they get clear on that, we start looking at their career story, their work history, their experiences. And as they begin to see their application of their strengths throughout their career, throughout their history, and they begin to see that they there are things that they love to do that they're really good at and that they've been doing those things repeatedly, their confidence starts to build. And that sort of I almost want to say it evolves a little bit. I I watch them sort of step into and really own, this is what I've done, and it's really good, and I'm good at this, and I love it. And the combination of being good at it and enjoying it really kicks up the confidence.
0: Yeah, I mean, that really summarizes the confidence factor, so uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so, okay, so let someone is just starting the job process and they have figured out their strengths, though they are they're confident going into the job search. Um, what is the first thing you help them with? Is it the resume? Is it the cover letter?
1: Well, once they know what they want to do, that's the, that's the first place I always start with everyone. Do you know what the job or the set of jobs is you're after? After that, then we typically start either with a resume or a LinkedIn profile. I like to work with the resume because that's offline. When you update your LinkedIn profile, that's very public. Um, but one of those two places where we start to work through and, and review it to make sure it's telling the story that they want to tell that, so that the story of their career that unfolds on the page showcases their strengths, their capabilities, and shows that the very next logical job for them is the job that they're applying for.
0: Um, so what are some of the top three tips you would give someone who is trying to craft a resume? Um, do you have a secret formula for (laughs) having, having that awesome resume that stands out?
1: I don't know if there's a secret formula, but there are a couple of things I always take a look at. The first thing is always make sure you target your resume. You need to be clear that your resume is a marketing piece that represents you and tells your story when you're not there. Everything on your resume should that, that you've chosen to put there should be showing a potential employer what you bring to the job and, and a little bit of hint of what you want to do next. But it should be all set up to showcase how – The job you're applying for is the obvious next position for you and that takes some work to walk through each point, each element on your resume and decide what stays and what goes to tell the story. A lot of my clients will come to me with resumes that almost read like a biography. Uh, Here's a list of all the work I've done, all the key contributions I've made and my achievements but there's no real continuity or direction to the story they're telling. It, it's clear that they don't really have a target in mind. Sometimes it, I think that's because they're really hoping someone else is going to look at their resume, see their potential and capabilities, and identify an interesting job for them. But the reality is that just does not happen in today's job market. Today, you will generate far more opportunities for yourself if your resume is targeted for the job you're seeking and if the story your resume tells shows how the job you're seeking is in fact the obvious next career step for you. My next thing I'll do is make sure we quantify everything we can. It becomes kind of a running joke with all of my resume and links because everything they talk about doing, I'm asking how many, how much, how often. To get some kind of numbers and metrics we can use to demonstrate their capabilities and demonstrate their contribution. When you give dollar values and size of teams and number of people you've collaborated with, you start to describe your experience in what size of environment you've worked in and the complexity of the work you've done without saying things like, I've worked in complex, large environments. When you worked in a mix of large and small environments, The numbers help you communicate your adaptability. So that's another key component that I look at.
0: That's interesting. You you mentioned quantify everything. Yes. Uh, Because if you look at the average resume, it's all about qualities, right? Uh, I'm a hard worker. I'm detail-oriented. I'm a team player. And uh, that doesn't – very soon, I'm I'm someone on the other side of seeing (laughs) the same thing over and over again. But when you break it down to numbers, it just uh, stands out. Yeah.
1: And so just in what you said, instead of saying I'm a hard worker, talk about how many projects you've worked on. Instead of saying I'm a team player, talk about how many teams you've worked on, how large are the teams, what's the range of the teams, are they all in the U.S.? Are they in one company? Are they multi-departments? You can talk about your ability to collaborate with teams of up to 12 with representatives from uh company from organizations or departments across the the globe, and suddenly that tells a different story right than I worked with three people who were in my office
0: yeah absolutely i actually thanks for that because I've never heard anybody talk about how to quantify hard work because hard work is is very relative right and yeah yeah, thanks for that thank that really uh that really hit me.
1: <laughs>
0: well, well done. Thank you. So now we talked about the resume. You gave us a couple of key points. Uh, I'm going to dive into a controversial topic here. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going because controversial means you can go online and you will get different reviews. Some people say cover letters are important. Some say they are unnecessary. Some say they don't, you don't need it. So it's all over the place. As a career transformation coach, what are your thoughts on cover letters?
1: So I say do a cover letter. I did my own sort of informal testing a few years ago just to see if it made a difference when you replied to job postings that would allow you to include a cover letter, if it made a difference whether you included one or not. And I found that if you include a cover letter, your responses go up. Now, that does not mean everyone lets you submit a cover letter. It doesn't mean everyone will read it. However... You're skipping an opportunity to present yourself in a, in a specific way with a cover letter. So you want to use your cover So don't use a form letter. That's my other thing. If you're going to write a cover letter, customize it. Use it to let the employer know what you offer them specifically. Your cover letter content should highlight what you've done that directly applies to the requirements and responsibilities of the position you're applying for, which you will find in the job posting. And I don't mean you're going to list your skills. You're not going to say, well, I have experience. I communicate well. You're not going to say written and verbal communications or something like that. But you want to be very specific. You want to say something like, in my work at ABC Company, I did Project X, in which I successfully communicated with teams of, you know, teams across the, uh, with teams representing multinational companies. Um, So you're going to give a one-line example, kind of think of it as a mini story that demonstrates the qualities you have that match what they're looking for. The cover letter should also, it's also a place to indicate your interest in that specific company. The companies want to know you're applying for a job with them specifically, that you chose them. You didn't just pull them out of a hat. So it's a place to show you've done a little research and you picked them or that position with them for a reason. You're not just applying for a job, any job. You want to give information that indicates I want to apply for a job with you and I care about this. The other thing that you can put in a cover letter that you can't it's harder to put in a resume is an indication of your of some of the emotion. Your actual an actual declaration of I feel passionate about this. I'm excited to work in this kind of area. That's a place to to put that and really communicate I'm really excited about this opportunity and here's exactly why I think I'm qualified. Now you have to do that in a page. But I think it's totally worth doing and totally worth putting the effort into. And I think people will find, I have talked to some hiring managers by the time they get the resume and cover letter, they only read the cover letter and make their decision from that. So I would never skip it.
0: Thanks for uh, touching that topic and giving some specific examples because I think uh, you can appreciate anybody listening to this would have heard conflicting stories. So it is good to hear that it is still important. However, when you do it the right way, you will increase your odds exactly,
1: okay. and it's all now, about increasing the odds. That my goal with every client I work with is to get you more opportunities, so you are in the driver's seat and you are choosing from jobs you love.
0: Oh, that sounds that—that's exactly the goal for every candidate, I believe. Right? It's like increase the odds, get more opportunities. So going back to the confidence, it improves their confidence when they know it's not only one employer but three employers are interested in them. Exactly. So. Perfect. You did mention LinkedIn at the beginning. Yes. And you mentioned LinkedIn is very public, so there are advantages to it. So let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn. What are your thoughts on LinkedIn?
1: So LinkedIn has become kind of a special passion of mine lately. I've been spending a lot more time researching LinkedIn. Um, I think, for the most part, you should have a LinkedIn profile. It is not a copy of your resume. I've heard some people refer to it as a digital resume. It doesn't replace anything else in the job search process. You still have to network. You still have to have a resume and your cover letters and have interviews. But now you need to add LinkedIn to the process. Um, I have seen cases, a couple of things that I know for certain. Recruiters use LinkedIn more than any other tool to find candidates, Recruiters will go through and search LinkedIn for candidates for positions they don't even have open yet, but they're anticipating. So it's, it's critical that you have a solid profile that attracts people for the kind of work you're looking for. You can also use LinkedIn to build and nurture your network. So there are things you can do on LinkedIn to really develop and expand your network. I have one client who... While he's between jobs, he's the primary caretaker of his children, and he's like, I can't get to the networking events, but I can do some networking on LinkedIn and schedule phone conversations and coffee meetings, and so I can develop and expand my network just while sitting at home, which I wouldn't have an easy, wouldn't be able to do as easily without LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a very powerful tool. It can really help draw job opportunities to you in a way that other tools can't. For everything else, you're kind of going out and hunting them down. With LinkedIn, it works both ways, which I think is fantastic.
0: And I can attest to that, uh, Lori, because in the past I've had someone reach out to me, a hiring manager reach out to me because of my LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was able to secure that job. And I would have never heard of that company had I not put some effort into it. So uh, thanks for uh, clarifying that. Yeah. And I personally can share my success story on LinkedIn as well. So that's uh, that works great. So, so now we have talked about cover letters. We talked about resumes and LinkedIn. So you get some – so the candidate, you get the call that you've been waiting for. <laughs> you, you 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 had a call. You're going in for the interview. What would be – some of your, uh, let's say, recipe, Lori's recipe for acing that interview?
1: So the first thing you have to have, and this is the first thing I work with all my clients on, you need a strategy so that you're in control of the conversation and you're in control of the flow of information without it seeming like you've taken over or taken control or hijacked the interview. You need to know what the information is you need to communicate to them And then you need to be doing that communication independent of how skilled that interviewer is. The reality is there is not one proven method for interviewing and hiring. Many people, we've all experienced a variety of interview styles. It's clear sometimes that people have never interviewed someone before, or sometimes they're just really busy and swamped and they're squeezing it into their day. So you can't rely and you don't want to be relying on their skill to pull the information out of you. You want to know that you're communicating the information that they need no matter what. So I think that's the first thing I recommend. You need a strategy and you need to be really prepared for how to handle that and how you're going to give them the information they need no matter what they're asking. The other part of the recipe, I would say, is to make sure you give examples of everything you do. It's similar to the cover letter examples I was giving. The interviewer doesn't know you or what you can do. So the best way to show them and prove to them that you're capable of doing this job is to give examples from your work history. So for everything you talk about doing, you're going to give an example. You're not just going to say, I'm good with people. You're going to say, I've always been relationship focused. In my last job, in my first three months, I made a point of taking the key collaborators from other departments out to coffee to get to know them. Those people will help me out to this day with one phone call. You want to use stories from from your work experiences to show them, I've done this here, so I'll do this for you. That's how you can know I will do this in, in the position we're talking about because I've done it over here. One of my favorite ways to tell a story or one of my favorite types of stories for people to think about is when they ask you about things you don't know about. Maybe you don't have a certain skill or you don't have a certain type of experience or you don't know a certain technology and they're worried that that might be a problem. You can always give a story of a time when you had to learn something new on the job and were successful. So no, I don't know that particular technology or piece of software you're talking about. However, when I worked at company ABC, There was a project that they put me on, and it was in crisis at the time, and I had to quickly learn this piece of technology that they had there and quickly get up to speed, and I was able to do that and turn the project around, and it was a success. So you can give those kinds of examples also. I think it's just important that – the other thing, you don't have to have a different story for each example you give. You can go to the same two or three projects for stories and pull out – You know, well, as I mentioned, this other project I worked on, ABC Project, here's another case where, you know, here's another example of where I developed this skill in working with difficult people, and here's how that played out. But you always want to have stories to tell or examples to give. So those would be kind of my, I think those in any interview will boost it up and make it stronger.
0: So, Lori, you have shared a couple of unconventional ideas. Okay. That's amazing. Because the first thing you said is, if I can summarize what you just said, because this is really key, is take control, like control the conversation. Yes. Right. So most candidates and including myself in the past, you go to an interview, you're sort of, you're sort of being interviewed. So you're just on the passive, you're listening, answering, listening, answering. But you've given us a framework of saying, no, it's not that way. Go in prepared and make sure. You control the flow of information. So that is original. Um, I also like the part where you said, if you have a skill that you don't know, and I'm just kicking myself as you're saying this, because there have been areas in my past going back a few years. The only reason I did not get hired is because I did not have a skill. But you have just given a framework saying, I have worked at, I was in a similar situation and I was able to learn that skill so I can learn this skill as well. So, wow, that is uh, that is that is amazing. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Absolutely. You know, the other thing I'd want to add on interviewing, today's interviews have added in. There's a whole new element, right? There's the video interview that happens now, um, which is fairly new, but it's rapidly becoming a standard part of the process. And there are two kinds. There's the sort of online conversation, like on Skype or Google Hangouts or something like that where you're interviewing, where you're face-to-face, but virtually. And then there's the kind where you're actually being recorded. Instead of the phone screen, you record the answers to the interview questions. So now, in addition to knowing how to interview, you also need to know how to interview on camera. So that means I think it's important that you do some research to find out and do some practicing, really, to find out what clothes work on camera, what jewelry, what makeup, if you're wearing jewelry or makeup, what position, what background. You need to be practiced to know where to look to create a sense of eye contact with your interviewer. So these are all things that are now kind of new in the interviewing process happening in the job market. That the key really is to just practice and get comfortable with it so you're not thrown by it.
0: Yes, definitely. I mean, with technology and with the uh hiring managers spread across the world or across the country, it is becoming more and more useful and something not a lot of candidates have practiced. Yes. Uh, So uh, that's, that's an important point to touch on. Um, So what, one thing I wanted to ask, so you, let's say you're a candidate, you've done the interview successfully, you, you've got the, you got the offer and this is, this is nerve wracking for many, many people because now you're in the, negotiation stages is the final stage yes you've done a great job you got the job but money makes people nervous yes. so uh, what is your experience in making this a successful closing to securing that job offer
1: so well there are two questions you ask in there because I view the salary negotiation as being post offer right so what, if you've succeeded at your interview and you get the offer, you're now negotiating an offer, but you have an offer in hand, as opposed to, I think, of closing the closing the interview and, and getting, I think, of getting the offer is finishing the interviewing process. So I think uh, I will make two points there. One, if you're finishing an interview, make sure you follow up. You say thank you. You re- reiterate in your thank you note your uh, kind of, key qualifications for the position, or reiterate something that you forgot to mention that you think might be relevant. I would also say that when you finish the interview, make sure you clearly state at the end of the interview, I am very interested in this position. If you don't tell them that, they won't assume it. So let them know you are still interested in this position. Once you have an offer in hand, I have... Keep in mind, I've never seen anyone pull an offer off the table during negotiations. So your goal is to just get their best offer from them. You can negotiate for money. So you could always come back and counter and ask for more money. And you could ask for stuff. You could ask for paid time off. You could ask for an office. You could ask for health club, uh, uh, like a, a gym membership. You can ask for things Instead of cash or, you know, let's say like if I live in Chicago, I might ask for them to pay for to do some kind of public transportation benefit. The company doesn't offer one so that I can uh, get a discount on my public transportation. So you can negotiate for things, not just money. I think it's important to not be belligerent. You know, my my negotiation style is very soft. It's very much a I appreciate your offer. I was really hoping for this. And then you be quiet and wait for them to say, yes, no, or let me look into that. Uh, I I also am in the camp of you should always practice negotiating. So no matter what the offer is, you should always ask for something. If for no other reason, just to keep in the habit of practicing the the negotiation process and to practice the art of asking for more. If they can't offer you anymore, they'll come back and say, I'm sorry, this is our final offer. This is our best offer. And then you sit and evaluate that.
0: Mm-hmm. i think that's uh, that's a great way to close uh the the, the process that right? we started at the beginning now we are at the end um so i, I think we've covered all the key points um in the interview uh so after listening to this laurie if if the candidates or job seekers are interested in learning more about yourself and your work yeah. how can they reach you
1: so the best place to go is to go to my website, unearthyourworth.com. I also want to say that we were talking about LinkedIn earlier. LinkedIn and and networking, frankly, are so important in today's job market. Um, I think networking might be the most important thing you can do to really boost your opportunities. But I'm teaching a – because this topic has become such a hot topic and really LinkedIn, as I mentioned, is a bit of a passion project of mine right now, I'm teaching a free teleclass on Tuesday, the 30th, to talk about how to set up LinkedIn, how to set up your profile so you can attract the job offers you're interested in, as well as how to use it to really expand and nurture your your professional network – So if anyone is interested in that, you can get more information on my website. If you can't attend the call on Tuesday, there will be a recording available, so you can always listen to it later. Uh, And again, you can just go to unearthyourworth.com and find out more information.
0: Thanks for sharing that, and I will make sure that will be included in the summary. I always write a summary at the end, uh, along with the episode. So I'll, I'll include that as well. So thanks for, uh, I think it'll be a great resource.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh,
0: so we are, at the, we are at the end of the interview. And before we sign off, Laurie, any last words? You think, is there anything that you think we have missed during our talk today?
1: Um, you know, I guess the, the only thing that I feel like I want to add in is, you know, I've had people ask me about how the job market is, how's it going, the statistics are saying that the job market has bounced back. I think that's true. I think there are more opportunities now. I think for the most part, it's, it's pretty much recovered in terms of being able to – there are opportunities, there are places for people to work, you can find work, find work you love now, but what has changed in the last you know, five to ten years really as things were really rocky is the process of the job search. Today the burden is on the job seeker to be really clear about who you are, what you offer and to tell your story on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile, in your networking connections and in your interview and you really do have to do all the parts now. There was a time when you could be really good at one thing, you could be great at networking and network your way to your next job. You could be good at interviewing and all you need to do is talk to someone, get an interview and you get your job. Now you have to be skilled at all of those pieces. You know, that I just listed. You need a resume, a cover letter. You need interviewing skills. You need to add LinkedIn to your toolkit and you need to be actively developing and nurturing your network. So I think that's. I find I still talk to people who want to pick one thing or they're or they want to say, well, this is the new magic thing. And if I just do this, I can get a job. If you want to maximize your opportunities, you need to be doing all of them and you need to realize that it's now up to you to move your own career forward and to and to be clear about what you want and what you can do.
0: I think that's a great way to summarize and uh, close off the interview. So uh, I speak for myself. I learned a lot here. I, like, I think I, I repeated uh, some of the key points during the interview. So thanks for sharing that. And thanks for being a guest.
1: Absolutely, it's been my pleasure. Uh, I have had such a great time, and I, clearly, I love talking about all this stuff. This is my great passion. I have found the job that I really love, so I am. Uh, I'm just. I want everyone to love their work.
0: Thank you, Laurie. Thanks for uh, thanks for that as well. Um, okay, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Career Meds Podcast. As mentioned, I have written a brief summary of the interview. If you liked what you heard feel free to subscribe to the Career Medis podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoyed the episode and also learned something new, feel, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely, definitely go ahead and share this episode uh, among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis podcast. Thank you. <laughs>